Spoiler alert! Today we're going to be talking about Casting the First Stone by Lisa Lawmaster Hess. Before we get started, we want to let everyone know that we are going to be talking about the plot twists in the book. So if you do not want to know what happens, stop now, rejoin us after you've read the book. Hi, Linda. Hi, Nancy. (laughs) It is season one, episode three, count them three of the Front Porch Book Club. (laughs) I'm glad we made it to three. I know. (laughs) Oh, my. The Front Porch Book Club is a podcast. We meet two times a month. For the last three episodes, (laughs) we have dug deep into the relationship between characters and the worlds they live in. Grab a book and ice tea and join us on our front porch. (laughs) So what's our book today, Lenny? Casting the First Stone is a book by Lisa Lawmaster Hess, and the first book in a series of three. The story is about a mother fighting for custody of her teenage daughter, Charlie, after the absentee father suddenly reappears. Charlie is torn between her parents, who both want custody of her, and Charlie's stepmother, Angel, navigates cautiously between the role of being a stepmother her relationship with Charlie's mother, and her husband who wants custody. The relationship between these characters and the relationships that each of the three heroines in the story have with their family and their friends leads to an interesting story as each ponders their past situations and moves towards reconciliation with each other. And then there's a God component in there too. And faith is a part of a couple of the characters. I think it is a really interesting story that our listeners will enjoy hearing us talk about in this episode and then visiting with Lisa about, because it really feels like a book about perspectives. Each of the three heroines, Marita, her daughter, Charlie, and Angel, the stepmother, they each have different strengths and flaws, but the two women really both want Charlie to be able to live where she wants and to have a relationship with both her parents. The conflict comes in when they have different views of what each other wants and whether Charlie's father will budge from his definite insistence that he wants full custody. I love in this book that the characters are deep. They're interesting. You get in their heads. You understand their past, how their past have influenced their current situations. But in each of these characters, you see growth, a lot of growth in in their perspectives and in their relationships. I do like that, too. I think Lisa does a really great job giving us insights into the characters and why they're doing the things they're doing. Also, there are reasons for making choices that you think, "Uh uh-oh, that is not going to lead where you want it to lead, but... (laughs) (laughs) But why they would choose to do that thing or say that thing. When you first said that, I thought of Marita. But you know what? Angel steps dangerously close sometimes to leading herself into ways that are not going to be great outcomes. Like what were you thinking of? Well, hiding the pregnancy for one. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Telling your husband's ex-wife 
before your husband. Yeah, that that could have been a a problem. Yeah. She definitely has this persona that she carries on with these church people of this image that she wants to project to society. And she is less authentic. And because she isn't really an authentic person out in the community, she feels like she has to hide something. And I'm interested to see more in the subsequent books, how that changes for her. Because I would hope that her internal, who she really is, that she allows other people to see that because she really has a lot of nice qualities and she has a lot of strengths in her character, but she hides a lot too. And she is fearful of judgment. So it'll be interesting to see how her character flows. She is my favorite character. Oh, is she? She is. I liked her. I cheer for her in the book. I wanted her, since I did give a spoiler, I did want her to get pregnant. Yeah. If she was going to stay with that guy. I wasn't sure I liked him, but okay. She chose what she wanted. So she wanted to be a mom. I was cheering for her to be a mom. And what I really admired about her was she takes this quality that women have, that a lot of women have. I don't want to clump all women together, but I've been thinking about womanhood. And I think about womanhood all the time and what makes us special and how we think and how we work and how we relate to one another. And she just personifies this image of me, of someone who does not perceive herself as a powerful person. She's kind of an under the radar. She doesn't really expose herself to much. She doesn't really, in what other people would say, would be assertive towards her husband. She kind of has a meeker character. However, she takes on her strength and her power through her love for Charlie, through her insight, through her faith. She craftily gets all these people coming together and affecting change for Charlie. And it's because of her intervention skills That she is able to get these two people who aren't even talking to her. You haven't had the relationship you should have had with your daughter. Who are you to come in here and drag me to court and want custody now? But she's able to, through her love and through a little bit of manipulation, which let's just say, I think (laughs) women have learned to hone somewhat. (laughs) I have seen this, Nance. I don't know if you agree with me or not. I mean, I hate to put all of our gender in a negative light, and I hate to lump women all together because we're much more diverse than that. But I think women learn this. I think they learn how to be a little bit, I don't want to say cunning, but we learn how to effectively manage people, I think. I don't know. Do you agree with me? To what extent do you agree with me? This is something I've been thinking about for a long time. I don't know. That's such an interesting perspective. I would say that women definitely, and I would say that this is cultural, not genetic. I think that we have been raised to focus more on relationships and definitely focus more on others. And so we tend to be more attuned 
to what others are thinking and doing, maybe think more deeply about that than men do sometimes. But I don't know. There's something about the word manipulative, manipulate that I don't like. <laughs> I don't like it either. And I don't like clever and I don't like cunning. And maybe it's just if we were describing a man, we would say he has really good negotiation skills or he's a really good mediator. Now, I would say that Angel ends up being a good mediator between these yes. two, because in a way, they both feel that she understands what they want and that she's rooting for them. Oh. She, she doesn't position herself against any of them. She positions herself by the side of both of them. And I think that lets them put down their guard. Which is Charlie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's well said, Nance. Well said. I don't like words like cunning and manipulative to describe my sex. But I like the other words you chose. I think she is a good negotiator. Yeah. I think you said that very well. I'm so glad you're my sister. <laughs> that's, that's very well said. Like I said, I don't want to break my sex down. But I think we're good at people skills. And that's, I guess that's what I liked about her. I marveled at her. Well, do you know what? And that makes sense because I think that some of us are better at people skills than others. So for instance, you're much better at people skills than I am. Well, I said I was manipulative <laughs> and cunning. I don't know. No. That's very good. <laughs> I have to change those words to good negotiator. That sounds so much better. I guess it makes sense to me that you really liked Angel the best because in some ways, I think you are more like her. You are very relationship oriented. You are a very good mediator. You're very good at empathetically understanding people and seeing the best in them, not the worst in them. And those were all skills that Angel had. Well, gee, thanks, Nance. Thank yeah. you, Nancy. Maybe that's <laughs> why I liked her more. I I did like her character. I really liked Marita. I thought in a lot of ways she was the main character of the book, but maybe it's just because I liked her so well. What I liked about her is she was willing to stand up for what she believed in. She would not take any guff from other people she followed her heart, sometimes not in ways that, as the reader, you thought were going to be the best for her, but she did follow her heart. She loved her daughter. Yeah, she's a good mom. Good mom. Completely and absolutely loved her daughter. So I, I really liked her quite a bit. It'll be interesting to see these other two books. I didn't want to be my own spoiler by looking ahead to see what happens to them. So I kept myself away from those other two books. Yeah. But I'm thinking, too, that all of these characters will be developed. But, yeah, I kind of agree with you that really it was more Marita's story, but not that much. Like, it'll be interesting yeah. to see who kind of takes a a dominant role as we move ahead. One of the things I really liked about the story is they are lucky enough to each have at least one really strong girlfriend who is there backing them up. That is their sounding board that tells them what they think about things. These are not enabling friends. These are friends that are very honest with them about what they see and what they think. 
that kind of resilience and women's friendship was really beautifully portrayed in this book. Yeah, I really liked their friends. I liked all of their friends. Charlie's little girlfriend who invites her to youth group to the very handsome and charming charming youth pastor. (laughs) (laughs) And actually, I love that part of the story, too, because she's mortified that mom is hanging out with the youth pastor. I just think that's hilarious. But But the girlfriend component of this book is a nice theme that runs through it and that they each have friends. It's just a beautiful little story. What do you think of women's friendships? I think for many of us, they are really important. You've had a lot of gal pals, Nance. I have had a lot of gal pals. They are people in your life who just kind of accept you as you are. Like I have have really close friends from college, especially. We've been friends for decades now, which none of us can believe. When we get back together, it's like we've never been apart. We've known each other too long to try to be anything but who we are. And we are always in each other's corner. And we're always willing to tell each other what we think. (laughs) That's what you need, though. That's what you need. Yeah. Even though we're scattered all over and we don't talk really very often, but it's it, there is this feeling of being supported and knowing that there are those girlfriends out there rooting for you, caring about you. And when you get together, you'll have a ton of things to talk about, which is great. What do you think about women's friendships? I think it's really complex. Women do surround themselves. Now, a lot of women, there are some, I'll tell you, Nance, there have been times when women have been my best friends, but there have been times in my life, like I'm done with women. I just want to be friends with guys. Yeah. Not in a sexual way, but that I have more in common with guys and I like their interactions better. So I have not always been like this girly girl with, just girlfriends. There have been many times in my life, it's like, I I don't really want to be with girlfriends. I want to be with the guys and I like relationships with guys. Now, since Seth has come along, my son, the last two decades or whatever has been more, I want to reach out and be with the girlfriends. I, I like that. I need that. It's something that I desire. And that's where I'm at today. But those those friendships that we have with women in our life, I think give us so much support. There is a non-judgmental or a total, maybe maybe non-judgmental, but there is a support there for us that we get from each other. If it can carry you throughout your whole life, I think it's beautiful. And you do have those college girls that you still hang out with. I think that's great. It's added a lot to your life. I've had one friend from high school and growing up that I'm still in contact with, but that's about it. But I've lived in the same community now for 30, almost 40 years. So I have friendships here that I have had. And I think that will keep me. And those are the people who you know, have seen me through singlehood and motherhood and empty nest. And those are the people that are going to be by my side when I get buried. These are the people that have made up my whole life. 
They're very dear and important to me. I think your point is a really good one. Friendships with men are really important too. Sometimes they have a really different kind of characteristic than friendships with women. Yeah. But friendship with with men are important and very nurturing as well. I really enjoy my friendships with men. So, I mean, it makes a full life, doesn't it? That we just make friends along the way. But I did enjoy that part of the book that these ladies have friends by their side. So now that we've been stereotyping uh, men and women, <laughs> one of the things I <laughs> I like about the book is it turns some stereotypes on, on yes, their heads, which really. Which is great, because I'm not like a stereotype person. You know, like I like deep people. I like not pigeonholing people into a certain role. So I liked Lisa turning some interesting stereotypes into a couple little twists. One of the ones I can think of is that the stepmother, instead of being an evil stepmother, she actually is a really kind and wonderful character. She really cares about her stepdaughter, who she hasn't really gotten to know very well, but she cares about this young woman. She wants her to be happy and very selfless, and she's also a person with a strong faith that really guides her. Not the stereotypical evil stepmother, for sure. not at all. Is that the stereotype you were thinking of, or were you thinking of some other stereotypes, too? Well, you know, I'm thinking of their faith, because Angel kind of had a hard upbringing. And you've got Marita, who grew up in the church. Parents had money. She makes some interesting choices in her life. She ends up not going to church as an adult. She ends up rejecting church, faith, God, and she is hurt by the church. Angel doesn't grow up in the church, but she finds a faith. I like that twist in it, that they both have these situations in life that happen that either draw them to church or take them away from church. Or I should say God. Uh, It's just that the the book... (laughs) the youth pastor, the parents, <laughs> everybody goes to the same church. I guess it's the Catholic yeah. church in town. <laughs> so everybody goes to this church or not goes, doesn't like the church or does go to the church. And she even went to parochial school, you know? I mean, she was immersed yeah. in the church. <laughs> the great thing about that is that's been the experience of so many people that I know, who grew up in the church, went to parochial school, and it was through those experiences, they were like, okay, full up on that, I'm out of here. So I thought that was a very realistic portrayal of someone's relationship, too, with the church. Her rejection and her experience being in the church was enough for her to say, Charlie, you're never going there. You're not going to be a part of any of that. Yeah. But then she has a slight change of heart through the custody things. And again, she puts Charlie first. And what Charlie wants to do is hang out with her friend and play games Yeah, on a Sunday (laughs) night. It's like, who doesn't want to do that when you're 12? Definitely. I thought it was interesting, too, that Charlie's father also goes to that church, but his faith doesn't seem to drive any of his 
decisions or actions at all. It seems not to be anything that guides his life in the least. Yeah, we don't really get to know very much about him. So maybe his character will be more of a part of the next couple of books, like what makes him work, what makes him tick, what he's about. But he does want Charlie to have a moral upbringing, but he doesn't really talk per se about his faith. He just wants a moral influence and feels somehow that by being with him, he will have more of a moral upbringing. So I'm not sure where that kind of stems from, but he's a little snooty. He's just a little snooty Nancy. (laughs) He is. But I do like the glimpse of him that you see when his mom stops by the house and just launches into him and Angel about what the family expectations are that they have for him. And you think, wow, here is someone who his whole life, his parents have played a very dominant role. And he has been a son who has tried to meet these expectations and is trying to live up to who they think he should be and maybe hasn't spent enough time thinking about who yeah. he wants and to that, be. And that is an area of growth because he takes on more of a fathership role despite how he was when he was younger. Um, he is now stepping up to the plate right. and going, she's she's my daughter and I need to step up and be a part of her life. So that's, I'm not going to say it's abnormal. That's how he should have always been. But that is a redeeming quality that he has. But he does still look down his nose at Marita. Yeah. And he wants his wife to, and see, maybe that that's part of him because that's why I feel kind of bad for Angel. Like she has to live up to some kind of high calling. Like she spends a lot of time in yoga pants and working out. I mean, I hope she's not doing that for him. <laughs> she does. <laughs> because that's like way too much working out. <laughs> but she she's striving to be the best person that she can be too. As we all should be, you know, we're all striving. We're all changing. We're all yeah. developing. We're all doing the best we can as we move along. And that's one of the things I think I liked about Lisa's writing is that you do understand these characters and you root for them. You understand, look, they're just trying to make sense of life and life can be pretty confusing sometimes. And they're just, they're just trying to do their best. Yeah, I agree with you. And I I want to throw in something about Charlie because we didn't really talk specifically about her. But she she is yeah. her mother's daughter. At the end of the book, I love how she stands up for herself and what she wants. Yeah. And I thought, wow, that's her mother. That's her mother coming. She's a beautiful little girl. She, she has her opinions. She is going to say what she wants. And I thought, good, Charlie, you know, you're, you're standing up for yourself. Good for you. So great book. I'm really looking forward to talking with Lisa next time and getting some more insights from her about the characters. I don't know. Maybe she'll even tease a little bit about what's coming up in the next two books. (laughs) Yes, because we I didn't look ahead. So I'm interested to see what's going to happen to them. 
I'm wondering if the youth pastor is going to be around the next time. I think he might. It's a developing little story there. Next time, we will interview Lisa about her book. Sounds good, Dance. In the meantime, if listeners want to get in touch with us by going to our website at frontporchbookclub.com, they can post comments and make suggestions and also check out the books that we will be discussing in the future so they can start reading now. Our episodes come out twice a month, the first and third Wednesdays of each month. If you like the show, be sure to leave a review (laughs) on Apple Podcasts. Sounds great. See you next time, Lenny. Okay. See you next time, Nance.